I've done it again. Stop talking, stop talking. <laughs> right, good evening and welcome to episode three of the F1 Pitcast. Uh, tonight we have a new member of the pit crew, James, how you doing? Not too bad, yourself? Fantastic, mate, I'm really good. And Laura, obviously returning for another episode, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. And you? No, fantastic, I'm fantastic. Again, I haven't changed since I spoke to James, it's good. Um... No, so obviously we're talking about the, the season opener of the Bahrain Grand Prix. I don't know about you two, but for me, it was probably the best season opener in years. I, I, do you, would you two agree? Definitely. Yeah. 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 I, I felt almost gripped to it. I, I felt like I couldn't turn it off. Sometimes with F1 races, I know with Abu Dhabi at the end of last year, it was a bit of a ball fest. This one, genuinely, up until when they crossed the finish line, I didn't know who was going to win. And that's very much what we want from F1. So we'll start, James. Uh, I'm going to come to yourself, obviously, Nikita Mazepin. Um, we're not the best F1 debut. I, I didn't know what your thoughts were on him. No, not at all. It, it just didn't really go well for him from the start, did it? He struggled in practice, struggled in qualifying, and then in the race, well, was, he lasted, what, three, three, two or three corners, I think it was, and then he was in the wall. Well, yeah, it's just... You understand that, yeah, these people are making their debut in the sport, but you've seen many debuts and you've seen a lot of people do a lot better than that. Well, most people last more than three corners I think, anyway. I don't think I've ever seen a debut like it. No, no, um, not at all. But I think it does. Mazepin's got a bit of a narrative of he's not very well liked anyway. He wasn't liked because he's, he's one of the pay-to-drive drivers. Um, and obviously, I know we've got Latifi and Stroll, but they've got a bit of a better reputation. So he wasn't like because of that. Obviously, we have the incident that happened in December um, all over social media, which really turned the vast majority of the F1 world against him. And now he's shown that, I know it's only one race, but he, he hasn't shown much in the way of talent, uh, which no. is a concern. And I can't see that Haskar doing well. So I do worry that the next 22 races, he won't finish a lap because he'll, he'll make it a regular thing. I hope he doesn't. No. Well, with with well with the Haas, they said, didn't they, that they were mainly going to focus on next year when the new regulations come in. But well, if if they're going to if they're going to have that sort of pace, and if the back of the car is going to be swinging around like that, then they haven't got many chances at all. Oh, definitely. Not. I know Mick Schumacher did get a nice overtake in on Latifi at some point, but the Haas car didn't impress me, and I don't. I, I worry that it's not going to do anything um, throughout yeah. the year. And Alfa Romeo and Williams. Both looked all right. I was impressed with Alfa Romeo. So, um, so yeah, I think I think we know who's going to finish 10th this year already. And I think we know who's going to finish 20th as well. But, yeah, so we'll... Um... Did anyone see the interview between um, Mazepin and um, Mick Schumacher before it started? So, um, I had a negative view um, of Mazepin uh, before we started, as you would hear from the other pig pitcasts um however in that interview he was very kind he was very nice and there's some people who will say that he's been told exactly what to say however a lot of the drivers were quite rude in those interviews um but he wasn't and he actually um he complimented Mick Schumacher he put a good portrayal of himself forward so I did go into it thinking all right let's give him a clean slate let's see how he does and um yeah he didn't he didn't prove it for anyone did he no unfortunately not and I do worry for the um for the Oral Khalifi Russian sponsor, that if that's what their name is going to be on the global stage, how long they'll accept that almost. But no, well, to, to, to talk about the race, Lauren, I'm going to come to you. Um, I'm sort of I'm going to talk about what happened before the race. Um, obviously, Sergio Perez overall was brilliant, but 
obviously with what happened at the start and, and obviously the, the, the gearbox or the engine issue they experienced, how do you feel that Checo sort of recovered from that and how do you feel he did on his Red Bull debut? Oh, he did incredible. Um, and it was only after that we realised that um, he had a, fu a full power failure. So he restarted that car on his own. Uh, he had no direction from uh, the pit wall because he couldn't speak to them. Um, so just that alone, he, he it was absolutely incredible, the fact that he managed to start that car. Um, his team said that they wouldn't expect uh, an experienced driver to know how to do it without guidance, never mind someone who's having their first race in that team. Um, so the fact he did that was absolutely amazing. Got it started, um, started from the pit lane. If you notice um, on the first lap, um, he doesn't come out of the pit lane um, for the first corner. So it's almost like he stopped again, but we haven't, I haven't heard anything about it. Um, but yeah, he restarted that car himself, which is absolutely incredible. He was very determined to get through that first race, wasn't he? Oh, definitely. I know that they say since Ricardo left, it's always been like a cursed second seat with obviously with Gasly and Albon. Two drivers that did all right, but didn't exactly set the world on fire. And I was worried that after seeing Checo's qualifying, which was very underwhelming. I know it was a bit unfortunate, but underwhelming. And then seeing back in the formation lap, I was worried it was going to be, oh, it's it's another, it's a Red Bull second seat. But he has proved that, he's proved that he's a really good driver, which we knew anyway, but he's proved that actually there's not only podium potential, it's probably race winning potential with Checo in that car. Uh, I don't know, yeah, Laura, how you see him moving forward with it. Is that something you can see happening? Definitely. And I think he'll be fighting at the top. If we look at it, really, um, the Red Bull is the fastest car on the track as we have it at the moment. Um, so it's going to be between him and Max and see how much they work together as a team, because they're going to need to do that to start winning the one twos is, is what the team will want to, to get the constructors as well. Um, independently on their own, he went from 20th to 6th. And no one can turn their nose up at that. Let's be honest. Um, that is a hell of a debut. Uh, that Perez did. So, um, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to seeing uh, him and Verstappen uh, tangling with uh, Hamilton at the front. I thought he finished fifth. If I got mixed up, he finished fifth. Was it fifth? Uh, it, may, it may be fifth. It I, I, thought fifth. It was I thought it was fifth. I thought Norris was fourth and I thought he was fifth yeah, and I Norris thought Ricardo or Leclerc sixth. I don't know. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. It's been too well, nice, but... Fifth or sixth from 20th. Absolutely he's, he's incredible fantastic. to get there. Yeah. And I'll tell you what as well, you've just touched on it. How I know obviously Mercedes have dominated the sport for seven years. How refreshing it was to see a different car. I know Mercedes won the race, but a different car dominating the timing charts for pretty much the whole weekend, right up until Bottas' last lap. Yeah, they, they did. They um, did absolutely great. And... Um, it was, it's nice to see somebody up there racing. And like you mentioned um, at, at the start, it's nice to actually see racing until the end of the race. Because last year we were left in a position where for the last 10, 20 laps, whatever it was, we we're going, well, unless something goes sincerely wrong, we know, we know what's happened and we know who's winning because they'd be well out in front. So the fact that we're actually battling again is um, going to bring the fans back into Formula One, I would say, and um, like get that excitement back um, again especially no. with all the races going on this year. No, definitely. I mean, I look back just quickly last year, uh, the, the first Austrian Grand Prix and the first British Grand Prix, the only two races where I think there was a little bit of last lap drama. I might be wrong, um, but especially at the front know, of the grid. Because Hamilton and Bottas both got punctures. Yeah, at Britain. Yeah. yeah, I mean, obviously with Austria, we had the Hamilton penalty with Norris landing a podium. But even that, we still knew Bottas was winning. So it was nice to... So sort of, and, and obviously jumping on with who with, with winning the race until the last, well, almost until the last corner, it was difficult to call. Obviously that battle between Max and Lewis was fantastic. 
all throughout the three practice sessions, it wasn't. Um, but qualifying, it was. And then the race definitely was. James, I'll come to you first. What, what are your thoughts on, on, the, on the potential of a Verstappen-Hamilton title fight and obviously what they've showed so far? Well, I'm thinking about that, Verstappen, we saw at the Ferraris a couple of years ago. They, they, were, they came through testing and they came through the first initial race and the practice sessions. They look like the top car. And you do still slightly worry that when Mercedes get their game together, they they may still come back and do what they did the last few the last time they looked a bit dodgy in testing. But it does look a lot closer. And you've got to, in my opinion, Verstappen is maybe one of the definitely, if not the best, the second best driver on the grid. And in that car, I do think he can challenge, and I do think it will go all the way to the end of the no, season. I I do hope so. And I'll, I'll come to you, Laura, in a second. But James, obviously, I know we had the, the turn four incident. I think it was about three or four laps to go with yeah. Max. What was your thoughts on that? Do you think what, Max did the right I, thing? Or I have been thinking about that. And not and with the incident as well. OK, yeah, he's gone round the outside and he has gone off the track limits, which, yeah, the stewards did say if you gained an advantage from that, they would um, penalise it. But... In my opinion, I think it was around lap 27, um, uh, the pit crew were on the mic to Hamilton and they said um, that if he, if, if he exceeded the limits again, he was going to get a penalty for it. Now, if you think about it, that's 27 laps worth of exceeding the track limits because from what I saw, he was doing it almost every he did time. It. He did do it a lot. He did. And if you think about it, how much time would he have actually gained from constantly doing that? And then if he wasn't doing that, would Verstappen have then maybe found it easier to overtake towards the end of the oh, race? Definitely, because even if it's only a tenth of a second per lap, that's still, yeah. that's still almost three seconds of advantage. That's which... about 27 laps, that's 2.7 seconds. Yeah, and considering he only won by 0.7 seconds, that's maybe two yeah. whole seconds he, he, he nicks. And... But I suppose you've then got the argument of when he did exceed the track limits, he didn't actually overtake anyone. Which Verstappen yeah. did. If James, yeah. if you if you were driving in a Red Bull and you did that, would you give the position back or, or would you just carry on driving and let the stewards decide? It's a tough one because Verstappen knew straight away. I think he did, I think he yeah. knew straight away in his own mind, and he said that after the race. But and yeah, the, the crew did tell him to give the position back, and I have learned the stewards did say. I read an article maybe yesterday. The stewards said. It would have been a 10-second penalty, not a five-second penalty. So if he had have carried on, Hamilton would have still won the race anyway. Yeah, he wouldn't have gained the. T I think I'll come. I will come to you, Laura, in a second. But I think if I was driving, I give the position back was the fairest thing to do. I just don't think he gave the position back at the right time. Oh, he definitely didn't. Definitely but, didn't. But I think he's like, do it as quick as I can. But he, no. he gave him the position back on the on the back straight, and going into that back straight, there's those three high speed corners, and when you're behind a car in the turbulent air going through those corners, it's a lot more of a struggle than it is maybe say turn one, turn two. So I think he maybe should have given it back on the straight just after the two fast ones, and then you might have got some DRS to go no, straight away. Definitely. And Laura, obviously, um, just quickly on the turn four incident. What are your thoughts on that? How did you view it when you watched it? Uh, well, all the drivers had the option to do it. They were told prior to racing that they weren't going to get penalised for track limits on turn four um, unless they gained a lasting advantage, which is exactly what happened when Max overtook. So everyone had the opportunity to overrun. Um, whether you should or shouldn't is maybe a moral thing, but 
I think, honestly, Hamilton was told that if he would do it again, he was going to get a penalty. Now, that is an in-race change from the FIA. That is the FIA's fault. They should have sorted this out before the race. They shouldn't have let it go on and do that. Um, so I think it's, I put it down to their fault. Um, I don't think anyone did anything wrong. Max uh, gave it back, which is what he had to do. Um, and I would have given it back as well. Um, and the reason why, look how close he stayed behind. And bear in mind, there was a third car on the track when he was giving that car back, uh, giving that place back as well. There was a third car getting blue flagged from them. So they had to be very careful of where they were, what they were doing and how they were going to give that back. But he managed to stay on the tail of, uh, of Hamilton, which giving that place back does for you. And down that straight, he got a slipstream. I think that's what he was hoping to do potentially is get that slipstream um, and then overtake him coming to the corner. Um, unfortunately, it didn't happen that way. Um, but I think the rules and regulations definitely need to be solidified because you're a racing driver doing 200 and God knows what miles an hour and you're being told now you can't do this. Now you can do that. And I know you've got to think about things, but the rules and regulation changes while you're driving. I don't think that's right. And I think the FIA need to sort that out going forward. No, definitely. Especially on a track like Bahrain where you do have a big runoff. It's not like Monaco where if you exceed the limit to the wall, it's you've got a big runoff area. If they've said, oh, you can use it, I mean, I know you said about a moral thing, but if I'm a racing driver trying to win a world championship, I'm taking every little inch I can get, and that's what Lewis did. Yeah. But no, well, Laura, with obviously with the Max Hamilton fight, take away the turn four incident, how, how refreshing was it to actually watch a fight not between two Mercedes? It was great, wasn't it? I think this is what everybody's been waiting for, going, right, Max needs a car so he can challenge, uh, challenge Lewis. Um, so it was fantastic to watch those uh, those two fighting. And, um, well, let's be honest, you can see why, why uh, Lewis Hamilton is a seven-times world champion, because he had the slower car, yet he still won. Um, and I think uh, he deserves the, the praise for that, definitely. Um, I said on one of my podcasts before that I wanted to see him excited about his driving again, and he was. He was absolutely buzzing, the fact that he had a, had an actual race, uh, which is not what we saw for the majority of uh, last year. So uh, looking very much forward to seeing them in uh, in Imola in a couple of weeks' time. No, fantastic. And we'll, um, we'll end the podcast. It, it, was, it was sort of like a quick question, but I've already decided I've got two answers. So I've ruined <laughs> it myself. So it's like a, a driver of the day slash um, team of the day. So, um, Laura, I'll come to you first because I know we spoke before the pod. Um, team slash driver of the day, who, who would you give it to? Um, I'm going to give it to Prez. Um, purely for the fact that he restarted that car on his own, um, not even to mention how how far he got back up the grid um, after that happening. Um, I think he definitely deserved that. Um, he put his heart and soul into that race and he did well. Um, didn't touch anyone. It was absolutely fantastic. Um, team of the day, I would uh, potentially, yeah, go with Red Bull. Um, they they were consistent. They, um, they did well. Unfortunately, they uh, made a bit of an error with the... Um, with with Max and um, the tyre changes, but I still think they did really, really well. So I give it to Perez in Red Bull. No, fantastic. Um, James, I will come on to you next, but quickly from myself, my driver of the day, I think Perez is the, the obvious option, but for me, it's Yuki Snowder. Um, almost driver of the weekend. I thought he was brilliant. Um, his appearance in, I believe it was P2, was fantastic. His Q1 lap time was brilliant. I know he didn't get through to Q3, but his Q1 time was brilliant. And then he's a rookie and he's took his car from, what I believe, was 13th or 12th on the grid. And he's got it into the points. And, and for me, on, on a debut, I know we've got Mazepin, I know we've got Schumacher, but Snowder sort of, he's crept under the carpet a bit and he's put in a really good performance. 
So for me, he's the driver of the day. And then for team of the day, um, it is Mercedes, but it's not the Mercedes pit crew that Bottas had. It's the Mercedes strategy team who gambled on Hamilton's strategy and it paid off. So half team of the day would be whoever made that call, um, be it the person, the individual who made that call. But no, James, um, jumping to you, obviously driver and, and team of the day, who, who would you give it to and why? For me, my driver, um, he did make three overtakes very early. It's um, Lando Norris who came fourth. Um, I voted for him as driver of the day myself. I, I just thought, well, no, no one really mentioned it. He, he, um, I think he started seventh. He overtook his teammate. He overtook, and then he overtook the uh, Leclerc and got fourth place. And I, I just thought it was a solid drive. Okay, he was still a long way off in McLaren. Um, okay, it doesn't look like they'll be anywhere near the Red Bull or the Mercedes, but they, are, they do look like maybe look, the third best team and yeah. they'll be best in the midfield battle. No, that's good. What about your team of the day? Or are you sticking with McLaren on that? I think I'd go McLaren as well because they had Ricardo in the points in sixth as well. And in the midfield battle, it's just vitally important to get points and to get fourth and sixth. You're still getting some decent points for that, so they'll be pleased. Oh yeah, and it's I was not worried, but obviously you've got um, Ferrari, you've got Alpine, you've got Aston Martin. Alpha Tauri looked really good. You know that third place is going to be a battle. McLaren have definitely had the best start. I think Ferrari are going to challenge them. And Alpha uh, Tauri looked like they have a good car, but Alpine and Aston Martin, I still don't know where they're at. But yeah, McLaren have had a fantastic weekend there. But no, well, look, James Dorr, thank you so much for coming on. Um, thank you to our, our, our set of viewers that have been um, watching or listening to our podcast, either on YouTube or Spotify. It's massively appreciated. I believe our next uh, pit cast will probably be after the Emilia Romagna Grand Prix. Would that be correct, guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah after Emilia, yeah. And I think that it's, it's on the weekend of the 18th of April. I think it's the 18th of April, isn't it? So we've got about three weeks until then, but we're very much looking forward to it. Thank you again for coming on, guys, and have a lovely evening. We'll speak soon. Nice to speak to you. Take care. Bye-bye.